This is the Fedora Chronicles Network. This is the Metaphysical Connection, Episode 9, Children of Roswell, Part 2. I'm your host, Eric Render King Fisk, and this is the second part of our conversation with Walt Schnabel and I, uh, with our very special guest, Tom Carey, co-author of the latest essential volume on the Roswell incident, Children of Roswell. In this interview, Tom Carey shares with us more details about the aftermath of the Roswell incident, government agents harassing witnesses, and the weather balloon that serves as a running joke in everything. Mr. Carey also shares with us his plans for the next series of books that he's working on. Uh, before that, uh, we have a very special announcement to our very special edition of this podcast. We are going to go just straight to it. We don't have any uh, news to cover or anything like that. You just get just the interview because it's it's just so that it's just that good. Um, but before that, we're going to share with you right now um, our latest addition to our Zazzle page. You can now get uh, coffee mugs and t-shirts with the Metaphysical Connection logo. It is a perfect way to start your day with your new favorite mug. And we promise that your new shirt from Zazzle will spruce up uh, any casual wardrobe. It's also a great way to support the show and tell the world that uh, you are passionate about exploring the unknown. Just go to Zazzle.com slash Fedora Chronicles and buy yours now. Once again, here is our interview with Tom Scarry, co-author of Children of Roswell. Thank you for listening. Enjoy the show. Uh, Tom, I, I had a question about the uh, the time span between when uh, the actual occurrence, I, I believe, was the evening of July 2nd. Um, you mean the actual crash? The actual no, the actual explosion was the sure, evening the of July second. Late, late in the evening of July second. Right, yes. and then then the the site was discovered by by Mac Brazel um, the following day. Yes. And and then when did the military come into it? When were they? See, uh, Brazel finds it on the third. Right. Well, the next day, the fourth, they have this big rodeo in in uh, Capitan. Mm-hmm. So and he he hadn't found the bodies yet. That's why I say I believe he found the bodies either on the fifth, uh, July the fifth, which was a Saturday, or on the morning of July the sixth, because he comes into Roswell on Sunday, July the sixth, to report the he, he brings in a couple of boxes of wreckage. And he also talks about the bodies. And so Sheriff Wilcox on Sunday, July the 6th, this is the that mistake he made, he calls the airbase. Yeah. yeah. They send Jesse Marcel out to the sheriff's office to see what see what's going on. And he looks at this wreckage here and it's a strange wreckage. I mean, it's you know, you got this memory metal doing all funny things. So he takes one of the two boxes back to the base, leaving the second box there, which Wilcox puts in a closet, and that, that's what the military came later on and uh, roughed them up to get that box. But uh, Marcel goes back to the base. Blanchard, his commanding officer, Colonel William Blanchard, he says, "Okay, take whoever you take a you know take a vehicle out there, take whoever you want with you. Find out, follow the rancher out to his ranch." see what he's got 
he knows he's got a field of, field of wreckage. Let's see what it is. So that's on Sunday, July the 6th. They get there late at night or late in the afternoon, too late to go out to the crash site, which is about three miles from the bunkhouse that they stayed in. So they get out to the crash site, the debris field site, on Monday morning, July the 7th. So that's the first military person gets out on Monday morning, is July the second, July the 7th. Now that's five days after the thing blows up in the night sky. Uh, it blows up on the second. They don't get out there with the military until until the seventh. Now so it's, it's been lying out there for almost five days. Right now, now supposedly there was uh, one of the aliens survived the explosion. And yes. you, you refer to him as in the book as the live one. Yes. Um, now was was he? Did he survive because he was in sort of a, a capsule or Absolute, an, yes. a, an yes. escape pod or something like that? Now yes. where was where was he all this time? Where? where um, okay. Uh, I've ex I've given you the debris field site. Right. So this is another location yes. where he is. Debris field site where the ship exploded that night and rained down all of this. Right. Right. Wreckage. Mm -hmm. That's about 75 miles northwest of Roswell. Okay. The Deep Proctor body site is two miles east of that site. Okay. The thing explodes and, and two, two beings are ejected and come to rest on that low bluff. Mm -hmm. The inner cabin or an escape pod of some sort was, was able to withstand the explosion. That continued on for another 35 miles in a southwesterly direction, coming to rest about 30 miles, 35 miles north, northwest of okay. Roswell. Okay, yeah. that makes sense, that's yeah. Third, that's your third site. That's where the capsule is, or inner cabin, whatever you want to call it. Do, do you that's, think he ejected from the craft, um, knowing it was going to explode or, or at uh, some point? When uh, the first witnesses got there they saw two bodies lying outside and then the one walking around so there's three more occupants there oh, two okay. dead one alive mm -hmm. and uh, they the two dead obviously uh were killed in the impact but the one survived okay so and there were five the five total there was a five total of five bodies yes mm -hmm. well wow well, one of the um, one of the things that a lot of us um, paranormal um, investigators have sort of experienced is um, some sort of level of harassment. I can tell you of a couple of instances where there have been strange encounters, and of course, there are a lot of lot of um, stories that you've reported of the government, you know, knocking on people's uh, people's door and say, "Hey, don't talk about this anymore." But how about you? Have has anybody ever confronted you and said, um, "Tom or Mr. Kerry, you need to stop this." We've had, um, I've had, uh, I think Don has, Don has had something of that, but I have had nobody come up and uh, say, you got to stop that. I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what uh, has happened. And uh, uh, this has happened now twice. Uh, after I did the, after we did the Area 51 book, this would be in, 2013 you know we did this uh, coast to coast am radio show which is a three-hour show mm -hmm. and it's on 
on, on East Coast time. It's, <laughs> yep. on, it's on from like 2 a.m. to uh, 5 a.m. And we did the Coast to Coast uh, a.m. show a few days ago. After after we did that show and we talk about the harassment and the and the military, what the bad things that they did. Both times, and this has only come to come to my con, this conclusion recently, is that after after I did that show, both times, I started getting these harassing calls from somebody claiming to be the IRS and saying that I was going to be sued. I don't know what's more terrifying, the CIA or the IRS. And I'm thinking... I don't, I don't, uh, I don't have anything going on with. I have no, nothing going on with the IRS. But both times after this show, after I did those shows, I started getting these calls for, from someone claiming to be uh, in the IRS uh, lawsuit department, and that I was uh, go- going to be sued if I if I didn't call this certain number. And uh, of course, I didn't call it. But I'm thinking now, what? what is that because like you say you know you get start getting calls from the irs it's 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 not a good thing no no it's not i mean uh i mean there's so many of us who have reported strange things like uh um there was one podcaster i was talking to and after he did a show on something like this somebody broke into his house and rearranged the furniture in his house and then left a, a, a cryptic business card in the middle of the floor. That's strange. <laughs> Why would you do that? I mean, <laughs> that's pretty weird. <laughs> that's that sounds like something my brother yeah. would do. Well, so. you know, we've had stories uh, regarding the Roswell incident where the children and grandchildren said, "Oh yes, my father he passed away a few years ago, but up until he passed away, he would get these visits periodically from they called them dark suits, men in black." You know, like revenue. I always kid Don Schmidt that he looks like a revenueer because he likes to dress in black. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but these they would describe these uh, uh, people that in dark suits that would that would come into the house they and sit down with their father in the living room and talk for for a while and then leave. But this went on for years. No, over a weather balloon. I mean, come on. Come it, on. it always comes back to that. So any- there, was a, there was one of the ladies in the book, um, Frankie Rowe, yes. who, who I, I believe had a um, years later, there was an electrical storm or something. They, they came to fix her phone and they, they found a phone tap that had been put in her line, um, yes. you know, quite a number of years ago, earlier, yeah. I guess. But, but Frankie you know, Rowe. She was interest, interesting character as well, I thought. Yeah, she's still alive. Oh, she is, yeah. Still alive, yes. So she'll be 82 this year. We see her every July down in Roswell when we're down there. Ah. And she was 12 years old at the time of the Roswell incident. And uh, she had been in town. Her father was a crew chief for the Roswell City Fire Department, Dan, Dan Dwyer. And uh, she had been in town for a dental appointment. And after the dental appointment, she went over to the firehouse to wait for her father, who was out at the moment, to, to take her home. Well, while she, while she was there, this state trooper named Robert Scroggins had come in. He was on his way home from, uh, you know, this is now the late, it is the afternoon. Uh, 
he was on his way home to Hobbs from up north, and he stopped at the firehouse to show show the his buddies there. He had some buddies there. They were all sitting around the table, as was Frankie Rowe or Frankie Dwyer at that time. Hey, fellas, look at this! So he reaches into his pocket and he pulls out a piece of this memory metal that I had described that that had been floating, and he held it over the table. And he opened his hand and it just floated there and just floated down to the table. So everybody in the, the firehouse had a crack at that, doing, doing the same thing. And somebody tried to cut it, they couldn't cut it. Uh, they, they'd wad it up and it would do the same thing and unfurl itself without a crease. They couldn't tear it, they couldn't burn it. They couldn't even heat it if they held a, held a flame to it uh, or you know from a lighter. Where did you get that? He says, "Oh, some guy up in Corona, you know, uh, some." And this would be Mac Brazel. Some guy up in Corona gave gave me a piece of this stuff. He said he had a whole lot of it out there. So Frankie Rowe, you know, had a firsthand experience with that. She described it as when she put it down on the after after uh, she had wadded it up and put it down on the table, it flowed out like water. It flowed out like water to resume its original shape without a crease. So she knew about that. She also knew about the bodies because her father had gotten out to the crash site, either in an official capacity or a private capacity, because they the, the fire department had been warned not to go out there. But Dan Dwyer had gotten out there. And uh, we think he might have gotten out there on his own. Mm-hmm. And uh, even though he was a, you know, he was a crew chief with the fire department, so he was probably still wearing his uniform. And uh, he he goes home that night, you know, and no, oh, what, what kind of a day did you have, dear? You know? <laughs> oh, nothing much. Ordinary just day. Somebody, you know, fly a flying saucer <laughs> and uh, talk to one of the extraterrestrials. Nothing that unusual. <laughs> so. They, the, the family kept asking him questions, you know, uh, you know, what did they look like? He says they gave a description. He said, but one was alive, still alive, walking around. Well, did you talk to it? Well, yes, I, I did. We, we talked to one another, but we didn't talk to one another like we're talking, using our mouth and our lips and our tongue. We talked to one another in our heads. And, you know, we would call that today the mental telepathy. Right, and that was kind of interesting, I thought, too, because at that point in time, I don't think that was a particularly well-known concept, especially in rural New Mexico. You know, I don't think that many people knew about that. For him to use that term or that even to to put it that way. Other than we talk to one another in our heads. Right, right, exactly. That was pretty unusual. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That's one of the reasons why I think my wife is like descended from Roswell aliens because she knows exactly what I'm thinking. She before. knows your every move. <laughs> so uh, the next question: Well, what, what did you talk about? What did what, what did it say to you? What did, what did you say? He says, "Well, I didn't get to say too much to it because it, it, what it was doing is it, it told me not not to feel sadness for it or don't feel uh, that that it uh, accepted its fate." His ship was destroyed. His his comrades were dead, and there was nothing that anybody could do. It, it just sort of was trying to calm down Dan Dwyer, uh, that there was nothing anybody could do, and that he accepted it. I say he, we we you know was 
it, it accepted its yeah, fate. Right, right. Assume it was a, a That was the hand. conversation. So right. Frankie Rowe knew all this. So mm -hmm. the, fam the Dwyer family was targeted for special attention. Well, mm -hmm. since they, you know, they were not Hispanic, they didn't send Sheriff Wilcox out there. They sent out this this fellow who was actually the base liaison to the town. He was a first lieutenant named Arthur Philbin. Big guy, six foot four, wide shoulders, deep voice from Brooklyn, New York. Former police officer. Could have played for the Eagles. <laughs> <laughs> so he knocks on the door and Mrs. Dwyer answers, uh, do you have a, is your daughter Frankie home? Well, well yeah, she's, she's in the living room. Well, uh, I would like to talk to her. So in comes Arthur Philbin. He's carrying his billy club. I don't know what the the term for that other other than the billy club. They call Just, it a baton too sometimes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes. And two other thugs. Well, um, two other airmen come in, NCOs. I would think non-commissioned officers. They come in. They take Mrs. Dwyer into the kitchen. They and Arthur Philbin goes into the living room. And he starts, he, he has the billy club in his right hand and, and he's banging it into his left hand to, to sort of put exclamation points on what he was saying. And he's telling Frankie that if she ever talks about this, her, her and the rest of her family, including her parents, would be taken out into the desert and left there and no one would ever find their bones. Now, she's 12 years old. What, what, how can you do that to a 12 year old? If we're going to kill you, we're going to kill your parents by taking you out in the desert and no one's ever going to see you again. They're not going to find your bones. That's something you'd expect to hear from something like Casino, you know, with uh, Robert De Niro and Joe Pesci. Yes, yes, or, or uh, Al Capone and the baseball bats. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. And, and I, I think that's really the larger story here. Is is that the the level of intimidation and fear that these that these guys the, use to 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 try to get these people under control or whatever yes. they were trying to do, and how that really embedded itself into their psyche, and even years later she she um, she apparently had a breakdown. She had a when, breakdown. This is in the early nineties. Right, she had just come right. on, come forward as a witness. And she was being interviewed with Don Schmidt. Don Schmidt was in one room and she was in the other. They both on the extension phones. They were being interviewed by someone in Boston, Massachusetts. Right. Mm -hmm. And Bostonians, you know, have a certain accent. Uh, the car. Get in the car. My father was, my father was uh, Bostonian. And uh, he never did lose it uh, quite all the way because he... He always called pack the car and mm -hmm. go out to stay as <laughs> John F. Kennedy used to talk. Right, but, yeah. right. but they're on the this telephone interview and it's uh, Frankie's in the other room. And so it's Frankie's turn to talk. Uh, the, the host that goes from Don to, uh, okay, now Frankie, uh, can you tell us how? And there's no, no answer. Well, so they, he says, well, Frankie, are, are you there? No answer. So Don puts his phone down, goes into the other room, and there she is just sobbing, sobbing. And what it was 
was the host's voice, his uh, New England accent. To her, it reminded her of that officer that had come to threaten her that day, and she just broke down right, th right there. And uh, when we would see her, we we started going to Roswell in the early '90s when they when they opened the museum there as speakers. So we got to know her over the years. She always this was always on her mind, uh, and. Uh, it turns out that a few years ago there was a big windstorm and she had lost her electricity and her phone service and so she she got a hold of the the uh, I guess it's QS the telephone service and uh, please fix my phone the, the box is out on the side of the house and after a couple minutes, uh, the phone is working again, and the uh, repairman knocks on the door. He says, uh, I don't know uh, if you know about this, but I found this in your phone box. And we have a picture of it in the book. It's a wiretap. It's an old Motorola, Motorola, if I could say that right. It's an old Motorola wiretap from the 1950s. It's like a 1950s model. And so, how long her phone had been tapped, she didn't know. But it had apparently been a long time. And I also wonder how many other people have similar stories of their phones being tapped. We don't know. We don't know. Well, over a weather balloon. Over a weather it, balloon. That just keeps... I know what that weather balloon was doing. So, uh, but there is a happy ending to the Frankie Rose story that only occurred in the last... Let's see. This is to the the, uh, the last three uh, three years. I won't tell you tell you what it is, but it involves the son of Arthur Philbin. And you the, have to read the book. The fellow who threatened her. There's a happy ending to this story, and I don't want to give it away. We want people to buy the book. Absolutely. Well, yeah. I mean, here's the thing. We could have you you know talking for hours, and you still would not scratch the surface of of what you discuss in in all of these books. Um, I and. Uh, I think that one of the one of the major questions that I have for you is that um, you have another book in the works called I think it's called Legacy of Roswell. No, the the, the, leg the Roswell Legacy is by uh, Jesse Marcel the Third. Okay, uh, it was the the grandson of Je Jesse Senior. That book has been out several years. Next year is the seventieth anniversary year of the Roswell incident mm -hmm. and uh, Don and I are planning a book because we we're always working on it we still have a lot of stuff that you know we haven't written up yet and we're planning our final book for next year because we don't know who's going to be around in, in 2000 you know at the 75th anniversary we don't know who's going to be left and uh, so we're planning a uh, pretty much our final book for next year called the something like the Roswell verdict or that, yeah, the, that would Roswell, be. the verdict of history something like that will be the final summation of the Roswell case and we've had lawyers I mean we've we've we know we've converted a number of skeptics because they've written to us say hey I never I never buy bought any of this stuff but but you have convinced me and we've had lawyers say if you ever 
sort of took the uh, government or the Air Force to a court of law and you each presented your case, you, this would be a slam dunk for, for us. So uh, our, our next book is uh, we're planning for next year, the 70th anniversary year, and it'll be a, uh, a, a final summation of the case as we see it. And uh, uh, so that's what we're looking at. We're also looking at a our conference call this afternoon that we're having is about a TV series that we're trying to to get going like a mini series, like like uh, the the X Files. I think that, I don't know they had four or five recent uh, editions of the X Files uh, recently. So it's going to be something like four or five episodes. Uh, about the uh, Roswell case. Do you know what that's going to be called? Is there a, is there a working title no, for it? We, we don't have we don't have a title for it yet. Uh-huh. Uh, but we all we've had our the, the the children of Roswell book has already been optioned. Oh wow! I was wondering about that. Uh, it it's would make only, a great uh, it's out, make a great uh, movie. Thirty days. It's already been optioned. Great. Uh, the, Wit- Great. the Witness to Roswell book has been optioned now for five or six years. I mean, the script is written for for the it, the movie for that is called mm-hmm. Magic Men. It's about the investigation in the case of the whole ball of wax, but they haven't been they haven't been able to sell it yet to a uh, publish uh, a producer. To, producer. Yeah. yeah. I think I think that I think that they're crazy for not picking this thing up. Really, that would be. That would, that would be amazing. Really well, I think. Yeah. yeah. You know, when, um, you, when you consider some of the stuff that's out there, I'm just, uh, I just, uh, I don't know what to say. You know, I'm, uh, I'm not a, uh, I'm not in the business of uh, making movies, so I, I leave it up to that they, they know what they're doing because I don't. Talk, uh, when you see some of the stuff that's out there, yeah, just garbage, just, junk. Yeah. Well, here's what right. I, I, that's because that's one of the list things I have on my list of things. Um, to ask you is that what do you what do you think of um, close encounters or, or stories about UFOs in the media like Independence Day? I mean, with your experience, I mean, uh, you know, I mean, St- um, uh, Stanton Freeman said your book is the definitive book or the definitive books on Roswell. So when you see something like an Independence Day, uh, well, what what are your thoughts of of UFOs well, in the media? Uh, I'll be. Uh our book, Witness to Roswell, uh, the, the way we look at it, uh, the, the, uh, our best-selling book was, was the Witness to Roswell book, which uh, came out in 2007, second edition 2009, is, is considered, the consensus is, that it's the best book about Roswell ever written. And we've only added to it with our Inside the Area 51 and now with the children of Roswell so the combination with we believe and so do others that have written us that, that this is the best stuff because we're the only proactive investigators on the case since 1997 which was the 50th anniversary a lot of people wrote their books at that time for the 50th anniversary well Don Schmidt and I wanted to continue a proactive and I underline the word proactive investigation of the case and we moved the case forward a, a, a long distance, in our view, from what it was back in 1997 to where we, we know we've got the, the, the correct framework for the story 
We've uh, tripled our witness pool, and we're still at it. Uh, the only thing we are missing is a piece of physical evidence. That's the only thing we're missing, and uh, we're, we're on the trail of several leads in that direction. Unfortunately, so far, none of them have come to fruition. But we, we, we you know, if you give up, then, then, then you're sort of finished, but we, we haven't given up. Waltz, yeah. I, 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 this is a perfect spot for my my uh, he's question. Smi- I he's guess, smiling like a, a child on, <laughs> on Christmas morning. Uh, I, I was kind of waiting for an opening for this, I guess. Um, my my wife is an aficionado of the junk store. She she, <laughs> she she can go into a junk store, and if there's there can be a mountain of junk, and she can find the one good piece of something in there. So so I, I want you to conjecture a little bit, I guess, with, with that in mind. Is is that if uh, and I know you're a research-based writer, so you know this is going to be a little bit of an extrapolation on that. I guess. What if what if somebody were to come across a piece of of the debris, um, you know, at a yard sale or something? You know, and and I know that I know that sounds crazy, but but, but stuff like that happens. You know, I mean, it really does. And and that's just one scenario. I guess it could be a lot of different things. Somebody could find it under a floorboard in an attic. But but the real point I'm trying to make is, what do you think the the ramifications of that would be, in terms of of how that would impact society? I mean, that would that would essentially be the smoking gun. That would that would be the yeah. proof positive that all this all this theory and be. and everything really would would be the truth of it. You know, and how do you think that would impact society? How do you think people would react to that? How do you think the military would react? I mean, that would blow their story right out of the their weather balloon story right out of the water. You know? Military and the government wouldn't be happy because then no, no, it would it would uh, verify that they have been lying to us for the last seventy years. Exactly. Yeah. And and if you're a, a normal person, you would be thinking, okay, they've lied to us about this for seventy years. What else are they lying to us about? Yeah. Good point. That's, That's an excellent question. point. What else are they lying? I think the general citizenry. Would would welcome it because we've had so many uh, movies and books and what what ha- and scientists uh, everybody agrees that that statistically there's other life in the universe. There's no mm-hmm. doubt about yeah. it. There's, there's statistically there's other intelligent life in the universe. You know, with your billions of uh, galaxies, each one with billions of stars, there's got to be other life out there. The the big divide comes when we suggest that uh, at least some form of that other life has visited us and we know that in 1947 one of their ships crashed so they have visited us the 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 scientists and uh, people with high profiles that rely on their credibility for their livelihood that's where we part because they say oh there's no evidence and what they mean is physical evidence right, right. that uh, that they've visited us. Uh, we have all the the testimony in the world that would win in a court of law, but their fallback position has always been show us a piece of physical right. evidence. That no, they mean, like smoke, a the smoking gun. Uh, we can't show you any of the evidence because you have it all. <laughs> right, right, right. But uh, so far. We haven't had, and and to us, our holy grail of Roswell is a piece of memory metal, getting a piece of memory metal, Mm -hmm. because, yes, we will send it out to be tested uh, to see what it's made of and all that sort of stuff, but you can tell 
physically by looking at it, by putting it through its paces, that we don't have, still don't have anything like that. So all, all the people, all the people who who saw those demonstrations that people did when they had it, yes. were amazed by it because it was yes. so different than anything they'd ever seen before. And yeah. I think that would be your first impression was that. This is not. This is not from this world. This well, is something extraterrestrial. Well, here's something that I don't think that you really. I mean, the memory medal would be a really great thing to have and to show people. But I mean, for me, the the nail in the coffin of being a skeptic is the fact is is that here you and your partner went out. You guys did all this research, and you've talked to people who have not talked to each other in decades. And all of these people have a similar story. They, they talk about the memory metal, and then they talk about um, how the military treated them um, when they saw this. I mean, all, and all these people who have not spoken to each other in decades, they all have almost the same exact story. And unless they actually read one of the books on Roswell you know, that was published in, in, this, in the late 70s, early 80s, there, there's no way that they could have known that the, here, here are the talking port, points. Their, their stories have never changed, yet while well, the military keeps changing well, what kind of weather balloon it is. And, yes. the, and the whole bit with the dummies, they keep changing their stories. Well, the people who were actually there, they've been consistent. I think that, I mean, for me, that's the smoking gun. Yes, the uh, these people don't... But know one another they're spread out all over the world and their stories all hang together now each one doesn't know the whole story each one only knows their own little piece of it uh, I saw I, I you know I went to the store and all the ice was gone there was no ice that day uh, uh, I saw I saw this or I saw that I talked to the, the all they all have a little piece of it like a big jigsaw puzzle yeah and uh, it's like putting the little pieces of the puzzle together to form the picture. And that's what we do, is we take these little snippets, these little factoids, these little pieces of what people, and put it into a mosaic of where it uh, makes sense. And we've done that. And the witnesses that we're still getting, we actually got a few in the last couple weeks, they just, their stories fall right into this mosaic perfectly and uh, so you know it, when someone comes comes up and says oh it's a weather balloon you know it's at it's a, to me they haven't they haven't done any reading at all they they they, they have you know we were on uh, Larry King live and, uh, the, 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 I was I was down in the hangar down in Roswell at the time uh, doing a, a being uh, interviewed down there on the Larry King show and the fellow in the Larry King's uh, studio was this guy uh, uh, he's the science guy his last name is Nye Bill Nye Bill Nye mm -hmm. and uh, he's he, he's saying things I'm thinking this guy hasn't a clue he 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 comes on the show he doesn't know that he doesn't know the story he was trying to say it was like a skyhook balloon. Well, they, they hadn't used skyhook balloons at that time. So much you know, for so much for being the science guy, huh? The only, you got to have somebody to debate that knows knows something of what the story is. Yeah. yeah. He didn't know anything. He just said, no, 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 no. Oh, well, I, that's just great. 
Well, a lot of skeptics try to make a name for themselves by being a skeptic. Oh, yeah. Just to, just to dispute something so they can get attention from it. And yes, they don't really have the, they don't really have the background knowledge they Seth need to. Seth Jostak or something. They, they don't know the story or they mm -hmm. haven't read they haven't read much about it if anything so they go on these shows and just uh, they just uh, you know do their skeptical thing like oh boy he's so smart uh, well he doesn't know he doesn't know anything about the subject we're talking mm -hmm. about so and you have to put the time you have to put the time in no matter what it is you you've done what now 25 years I think it is on, on Roswell um, so you know you've done you've put your time in you've you've talked to hundreds of people I guess um, that's hard to refute I mean you know yeah how, how do you I, argue I, with that you I know? did two new two interviews <clears throat> yesterday new people I think <clears throat> I think that what's amazing is that there's a, there's this one guy and I will not I, I won't even dignify his comments by even mentioning his name but when I said to him because he was talking about how he used to work for the government, and he knows what really went on, and and I and he knows that it's not an alien spacecraft or anything like that. And I and I said, you know, just you know, just being polite. Have you read Witness to Roswell? That's like the silver bullet. And the thing is, oh, I don't, I don't want to trouble myself by reading that. It's like right. I, I can tell you right now, there's nothing in there that's going to convince me that anything happened. Or, 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 or. I want to maintain my ignorance. I want to maintain my <laughs> ignorance. Don't confuse me with facts when my mind is already made up. Right. But he, funny. but he, he insists that he, he knows the facts, and you know his five minutes in spending you know, on this topic here. Trump's your 25 and I think that that's really sort of it's it's sad and pathetic but now here's here's a question for you uh, what would you want to know from your readers um, as far as um, anything really I mean is there anything you've ever wondered about your readers and thought um, what do you guys think of this that or the other thing well um, 99% of our the feedback that we get is uh, complimentary even from some lawyers I mean we, they it's the whole panoply of uh, people in society and uh, if you know I'll go to the Amazon website to see what some of the comments are the few negative comments that that I see on Amazon are from people who haven't read the book they haven't read Obviously. the book yeah <laughs> so People who read the books, they come away mostly convinced. They, they say, I've never been uh, uh, a, I don't like to use the term believer, but uh, that believe this Roswell story, but now I, I do believe it. So uh, it, it, it's based on hundreds of people that we have sought and found out and uh, they like I said, it fits into a picture that we have presented that makes sense to us. And I'll, I'll just give you one example here. There was this fellow. He's dead now, as most of them are. But we tracked him down to a home in to to his house in Roswell, and he had been on uh, one of the uh, crews that. Uh, you know, was involved in the recovery, and uh, he was in a wheelchair. His wife didn't want us to talk to him, and we said, "Well, we'll only be, we'll only be very brief." And uh, he could barely speak, 
So we, so basically we, we said to him as we were leaving, it wasn't a weather balloon, was it? And he grabbed us, he grabbed the arms of his chair. He started to come up and all he could say was no. Mm. No. <laughs> That'd be a great scene in a movie. <laughs> yeah, that would be. Tom, that would Tom be. do you have any sense of uh, did did they keep the bodies? Do you think the bodies are still on ice, or do you think they disposed yes, of them? Yes, yes, yes. They originally they were on ice, but uh, at some point they switched them to this cryogenic suspension. They're in like uh, capsules that you ah. can you know have mm -hmm. a you can open the like you're opening a capsule. They're inside right, with right. this. Uh, I don't know. Whatever the cryogenic uh, gases that they mm -hmm. keeps them, yeah, like Walt Disney, sort of. Walt Disney's supposed to be how, how about cryogenically the, frozen. How apparently. about how, now? Here, you know, uh, now um, uh, Rob LaSalle had um, said, and I, I might be misquoting him, saying that the survivor of the crash had spent the rest of his life basically working with the engineers at uh, at Area Fifty One. I mean, do you do you believe that that's true, or what? No, the the uh, unless they're talking about some other crash. Uh, as far as the Roswell Ant Live one, uh, we know it was transported to Roswell first. The Roswell uh, big the big hangar there, and then they took it over to the base hospital. It doesn't turn up again until the following spring in April of 1948 where it's seen by a member of an Air War War College class from Maxwell Air Force Base in uh, Montgomery, Alabama. They they flew the the entire class to Wright-Patterson for a week and part of the the uh, I guess the education there was they first they showed them the Roswell wreckage and of course they were dumbfounded what is this stuff and they said well it was recovered from a crash of a flying saucer the previous summer which would have been the Roswell crash right they were taken into another room where you had one of these see-through uh, windows where you could see the see-through but the people on the other side of it couldn't couldn't see through this glass and what on the other side was the live one and uh, the the person that we get the story from through his son was that he made a mental connection with it uh, he, it's not that they talked to one another but he said seeing it there he just started feeling very sad made this mental connection that he was very sad to see this being sort of by itself in this room and according to this gentleman he said they killed it but he didn't. That doesn't mean they stood it up like Saint the Saint Valentine's Day massacre. Uh, it just means that the, a couple of years later, perhaps in 1952, they were doing some sort of uh, experiment on it or with it, and it expired during the, uh, the this experiment. So that's what I know. Uh, if somebody has something else, uh, I I don't I don't know it. Yeah. Now. Um... Just looking at the time here, and, and we've monopolized two hours of your time here. And of course, obviously, I mean, I mean, this is this is like a, I mean, this is amazing. It's like it's flown by. It, it doesn't uh, seem like two hours. Mother load. Yeah. It's, it's, hey, it's 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 like talking to one of my childhood heroes here for for a little bit. 
Um, but the, the what what happens after Roswell with you? What what's? Oh, that's easy. I'm already uh, on it. Uh, once we put Roswell to bed, uh, there's another mystery, unsolved mystery, unexplained mystery left to us from the 20th century. Uh, one of them was the JFK assassination, right? Oh, you and I need to have a talk. <laughs> uh, Eric's big topic. Not, not today. Not today. <laughs> not today that's no. Not that's, not that's another two hours, <laughs> at least. Well, uh, one of the mysteries left to us from the JFK assassination, uh, that, that's one of the mysteries. The other one is Roswell, which we were talking about. You'll never guess what the third one is. Um, did Elvis Presley really die at Graceland, or is he? Yeah. Did, did he go? He was actually a CIA. It has something to do with World War II. Oh, let me think. There's so many things about World War II. You you have the Foo Fighters. Um, well, it has nothing to do with the UFOs. Uh, but you're right about the Foo Fighters. But is that is Nazi not... Nazi time travelers? Because the Nazi the Nazis had their own UFO pro yeah, they had program. They a huge huge amount of technology that. Pearl Harbor. <clears throat> oh, you're going to do Pearl, Pearl Harbor. Harbor? Yes. Ah, interesting. Yeah. Yes, it, uh, what uh, What has uh, there? You, you talk about, you know, well, the Roswell, how did they know how to go about covering this up? In reading about Pearl Harbor, the template was set at, at the cover up of Pearl Harbor. Meaning, like, Roosevelt may or may not have allowed That's it to right. happen. Absolutely, absolutely. The template was set there. Everything I'm reading was replicated at, at, at silencing people at uh, Roswell. It all it, it started, at least in my mind, at uh, Pearl Harbor. There's definite, the, the template was set at Pearl Harbor for silencing witnesses to the fact that uh, we already knew not only that it was going to happen, but when and where we knew that and they let it happen to uh, get us into the war so uh, so they had already had their game going by the time roswell rolled around they had they had a pretty they good, had, they, they had had a pretty good process around yeah. yeah and then of course during <clears throat> during world war ii they they um started a brand new division of the government the oss which became the cia right and uh yeah, no, I I would love to be able to have you on the show um, uh, at a later date and um, uh, talk your ear off about the Kennedy assassination um, when when you get closer to publishing your book. Um, you know, I never paid to because there's so many hypotheses about that, but I did see one to me that made the most sense that fit fit the facts, the known data, I said, well, that, that's what happened. That's what happened. And uh, I, don't want, I won't get it, but uh, I'm satisfied that, that, that the answer has been found. Uh, it wasn't the Cubans. It wasn't the mafia. It wasn't any of that stuff. Although, although Lee Harvey Oswald did try to assassinate him, he did, but it wasn't his shot that killed him. Yeah. He didn't have the kill shot. Yeah. yeah. His wasn't the headshot. It yeah. was another. There were there were two two guns, but only one had set out to kill, assassinate him. The other one was an accident. And okay, I've heard uh, I've heard I've heard that theory. Yeah, I I have I have heard that theory. The the accidental shooting. Yeah. 
Yes, uh, absolutely. And uh, it was accidental, uh, totally. It, but it fits, when it's explained, it fits all the known facts of the case. All the known facts of, of, of what went on at Parkland Hospital. Um, well, the, the, the Kennedy's brain is missing. It's been missing <laughs> since, and, and because it would, uh, uh, what would be in the in the brain would be the the, the uh, shards, the little little shards of the bullet that actually struck him in the head, which which I I'm confident would be different than what uh, Lee Harvey Oswald had shot. Mm -hmm. He shot that Italian uh, that Italian rifle. I forget the name. A Manlicher Carcano. Yes. But the shards in the head would prove that it that the that the fatal shot did not come from that rifle, and the brain has been missing. It's gone. Yeah, I I, I actually wrote a paper on this entire thing, and I was able to convince my professor um, that Lee Harvey Oswald did not did not kill um, uh, the president. And he only got off two shots. He got off two shots. Yep, absolutely. And the third one came from somebody else, and it was an accident. At least that that to me when you when you factor in the not only the physical evidence but the behavior of the uh, secret service and everybody else the uh, autopsy people when you factor all that in to me that makes at least for me you know I'm, I'm you know but for others it might be something but for me that's uh, uh, that's what happened they, well, really, they really had their cover up going uh, game going by then up because yeah. the reason it's been covered up is because uh, JFK, he, he, you know, he left us as a martyr. You know, he was assassinated, uh, and to to find out that it was actually an accident would diminish from the aura that he was, you know, yeah. going forward that he was a martyr. Yeah, he, at least that's that's my, you know, there, there are a gazillion conclusions, but that's my conclusion. Tom, Tom, I want I want to um, just assure you that when when my wife finds a piece of memory metal at a junk store, <laughs> you're going to be the first guy I call. <laughs> You'll be the first guy on the phone. <laughs> and, and 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 of course, um, any and all topics you want to talk about, you you always have uh, you always have a chair here waiting for you. Yeah, I, I'd I'd like to to thank you for you know consenting to, to to join us today. It's been a great conversation. Uh, I also want to encourage all of our listeners to go out and and get this book. Not just children, this book, children. though. Well, I, I'm focusing on the children of Roswell You're because I, I yeah. because I think it's not only a good book; it, it, it's a very good book. It's a good read. It's an excellent. It's book. compelling, but it's also an important book. It's important for people to understand what went on here, above and beyond the UFO part of it. Yeah, it's the, it's the whole other intimidation and and. Uh, what the government did to you know to to really ruin the lives of all these people to me that's the that's the big big the, bigger I, I, part of the story the, the, you know roswell's been covered and covered and covered so so that's a lot of that stuff is you know kind of i don't want to say old hat at this point but but right. the real the real import here is is what was done as a as a ramification of that event to me okay my, my opinion but that, well, well here, here's here's my opinion um the thing is is that um 
all three books written by our guest and and his 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 partner his his writing partner um i personally i feel as if that it's like if you're going to read children of roswell that's like skipping star wars and the empire strikes back and going straight for return of the jedi however this book does stand on its own it does it really does has really has even no knowledge of roswell it it really does could read this and follow it you know follow along because like i said the roswell event is 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 only really the precipitating event for the for this story it's not the story see but i want i want everybody to buy mm. all of well, Tom's okay books. I'm, I'm not diminishing that i, right? I want but people I'm just to... saying that somebody could go out and get this book and read it and be perfectly fine you know follow right along with it without having to have the have those books as i'm sure they would want to go back and read those books afterwards yeah. but definitely but, but you know this is not something it's it's in a sense it's a standalone book but it but it but it also has a great connection to the other books yeah yeah, Tom. The thing is, is that the character studies in here is is just incredible. And I'm and I'm calling out Hollywood right now. If you don't make a movie based on this book, there's something seriously wrong with you people. You'll you'll make you'll make um, Batman versus Superman, but you won't make Children of Roswell. I I got no use for you for the for the many more. Can I, can I um, sort of close with a quote from the from one of the blurbs at the beginning of the book, which I which I think really sums it up. Hey, in, it's in your a, show too. In an important way. And uh, this is from um, Ben Hansen. He's on the Sci-Fi Channel. It's it's actually the very first thing that you see when you open the book. And it says, The story of the children of Roswell is as tragic as it is shocking. We now know that the American government stooped to the lowest level of humanity by going so far as to issue death threats to child witnesses. This should inform the reader of two things. There was a big secret to be kept, and the secret keepers were willing to go to any lengths to keep it. To me, that that's the that's the book right there. That's that the important is, part of the book. That is, Tom. You have been just an incredible guest, and and um, I, I want to invite you to come on every time you have a book to publish or you have something to say. Let me know, and we would love to be able to have you here again. All right, my my pleasure, fellas. It uh, was a fast, uh, however long this was, it went fast. It it really was. Well, we want to send you a t- one of our T-shirts too, as a as a kind of a, a kind of a parting gift, I guess. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, uh, so you want to tell us off air what size we need to send, <laughs> and and we probably need your address too. But you can yeah. tell us off air. Absolutely. Well, I'll, I'll if you uh, I'll email you my address. That'll, okay. That'll that be good. that'll be that terrific. That'll be terrific. Tom, thank you so much once again, and. Um, um, just please don't stop writing. The two of you keep keep the maybe good stuff I'll, coming. Maybe I'll get a B. Maybe I'll get a B instead of a C. I, what I wish you, I what I wish you, you would do, and I would like to be there to record it. I want you to um, bring uh, copies of your book to your old school. <laughs> Tom, hey Tom, I taught English, so I'm officially giving you an A plus for that book. How's oh. that? Thank you so much. Yep. That, that washes away that C then. It does. It's like an honorary doctorate. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Thanks, Tom. Thanks, Tom. Talk to you later. Once again, special thanks to our very special guest, Tom Carey, for this interview. Please be sure to check out our show page for this episode for a link on where you can buy Children of Roswell and his other books on this specific topic. A special thanks to his publisher, New Page Books, for arranging the interview. Check out their site, newpagebooks.com, for the other books on supernatural and unexplained phenomenon. Also follow them on Twitter, at newpagebooks, for the latest news. 
This has been the Metaphysical Connection with your hosts, Eric Renderkingfisk and Walt Schnabel. This podcast is dedicated to exploring the unexplained, the paranormal, and the supernatural phenomenons. You can learn more about us on our webpage. Right now it is metaphysical.fedorachronicles.com where you can find links to our Facebook and Twitter page. This is also a great way to catch up on past shows, find out what we'll be talking about next time, and drop us a line and tell us how much you love this show and what topics you want us to tackle next. That's also a great portal for all of you to let us know if you'd like to be a guest on our show with a great story or to promote a book that you've written or a documentary that you have filmed. The Metaphysical Connection is a product of the Fedora Chronicles Network, copyright 2016, all rights reserved.